Let me invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 15. This is a brief interruption of our short series on the character of God that we've been going through from Exodus 34. I've been looking forward to this, um, what I would refer to as a one-shot wonder. It's like a standalone message where we're just looking at a particular topic. We don't do a lot of topical studies. We try to be very expositional in our uh, diet of preaching and worshiping the Lord in the Word. Uh, but this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. It's a vital part of the Christian life, and we're going to talk about a, a few elements of it. Again, a few things I've been really excited to, to talk with you about. So we're in Romans 15, and we're going to take just a moment now and ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Father, we are thankful that we have access to your very presence, to your throne, through the blood of Jesus Christ, a new and living way that is through the veil of his flesh. He laid down his life to grant us access into a relationship with you, to eternal righteousness and eternal life, and also to this wonderful opportunity to boldly or freely speak to you the God of all glory, the Father of mercies, the God of all comforts. What a joyous privilege is ours, and we pray that you would help us in these few moments that we worship you in your word, that your spirit and your word would make such an impact upon us that it would mark our pathway forward, that you would change our course where necessary, direct our steps for your glory's sake, in Jesus' name, amen. So Friday afternoon, a few of us were on a hike on Mount Greylock to and from a section called March Cataract Trail, at the end of which was this waterfall. Now, there's a lot more to it. I had a lot more pictures, and I didn't want to flurry you with pictures, except that if you can look really closely, you'll see a, a man incognito in there in camouflage. But that's not the point. The, the, the waterfall is not the point, and the incognito is not the point. The point is we were marching through Mount Greylock in the glorious things, amongst the glorious things that God has created. And while we were walking, we had a great conversation about our plans for the future, we discussed uh, that while we have responsibilities that we need to make sure that we follow necessary steps that are our responsibility to follow along a pathway to fulfill our goals and our dreams, one of the important steps, in fact, the most important step is to beseech the Lord to know His will, His wisdom, and His way. And so it brings to mind this passage, which we also discussed on our journey uh, from Proverbs 16 and verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You can have all the plans you want. You can follow all the steps you want. But ultimately, we want the Lord to have his will and his way accomplished in our lives. And that, that is a statement. It's a proverbial statement. It's a truth. And as those that are God's people, is that you? 
Are you one of those that are God's people? As those that are God's people, we want His way, His path, His direction rather than our own. One of the most important efforts that we need to make headed toward our goal is the hard work of striving in prayer. The hard work of striving in prayer. We're in Romans chapter 15. The first element of our, of our time together is going to be this concept. We have been called to strive in prayer. We've been called to strive in prayer. In Romans 15, the Apostle Paul is charging the church at Rome with that very call. He says this in verses 30 and following. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The call here is very clear. He's calling for the church to pray for him and his journey and his ministry and for God's will to be accomplished uh, amongst that, uh, in, in the midst of that uh, mission. That has so many applications, that concept. But this is just a, a, the tip of the iceberg for this call that the church has been called to in regard to striving, the concept of striving is a, a yearning, a passionate pursuit, an endeavor that we stretch out toward. I want you to take a look, please, at Colossians chapter 4. As this letter is about to conclude, Paul is recognizing a particular minister, a minister to the church, a minister of the gospel, a minister of Jesus Christ, and his endeavors. Look at verses 12 and 13 of Colossians 4. Epaphras who is one of you, he's a Colossian, a servant, a minister of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. He greets you, and he's always, what does it say? Struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God, for I bear him witness that he has what? Worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Do you see this concept of struggling and working hard in what? In prayer. Working hard, diligently striving, struggling in prayer. This is a regular call. In fact, two of the parables of the Lord Jesus have a strong emphasis upon our need to strive in prayer. I want us to take a look at, it, at these, one of which we read already this morning as our responsive reading, Luke chapter 11. There's a lot in this chapter. We're just going to touch and go on a little bit of it because our concept, we're just trying to gain a, a, little, uh, a little charge from the Lord on this call to striving or passionate prayer. Luke 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then he goes and he gives them what some call the Lord's Prayer. Some can call it the Disciples' Prayer. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's this prayer that we're familiar with in verses 2 through 4. Let's pick it up at the parable portion now in verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. 
for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, (laughs) yeah, but I really need some. Hello, I need some bread. Can you please give me something? Because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, we can't get into all of the elements here. The, the call here, the, the, the reason we're in this text, is to see this persistence. Persistence. Jesus is illustrating the persistent nature of prayer. He doesn't just call for it by illustration. He exemplifies it on many occasions. Many times his disciples would be looking for him. And he was off by himself praying. And at other occasions, you'll remember a very specific occasion, he brought some with him, says, wait here and pray with me for one hour. And he went a little further and prayed, remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So we see this concept. Take a look at Luke, 11, uh, excuse me, Luke 18. In Luke 18, we'll begin in verse 1 and read down through verse 8. Again, it's another one of Jesus' parables, also illustrating persistence. Now, if you read too far into a parable, you get the wrong point. Parables, you don't soak, suck everything out of them that you can, or else you come up with bad theology. If you take Luke 18 and run it to the nth degree, you're going to think that God is an austere hater of people. That's not what this um, parable is demonstrating. It's talking about the, the need that we have to come humbly, relentlessly, recognizing that our only hope is the direction that we're headed. Luke 18, take a look at verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For, uh, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, 
He will give justice to them speedily. Now, let's pause for a moment and remember our speedily and God's speedily are not on the same calendar. Don't forget that. Speedily to you and I is now. Speedily to God is when it's time. And if you look at your life in light of eternity, your entire life is speedily. I hope that's an encouragement to you to keep on praying. To give speedily. In the middle of verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find, it says in our translation, will he find faith on the earth, or faith on earth? Someone might translate it, will he find the faith on earth? I would translate it, will he find this faith on earth? This faith. There's a definite article before faith. So you could say, will he find the faith, like as general, will, will the, the, there be a people that still hold the, the doctrines of the scripture, that's the faith. I don't think that's what this is pointing out. I think, will there be people like this, that have this kind of faith that I'm calling for, when the Son of Man comes, will he find this kind of faith on the earth? And the question is, if he were to come right now, would he find that faith on the earth? Would he find that faith in this room, would he find that faith in me individually, in you individually? There is a call in these texts for a persistence, a continuance, a striving, a struggling, a working hard in prayer. Now, we're familiar with these texts. We've been called to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. 17, we also are familiar with what it says in Ephesians 6, verse 18, the conclusion of the armor of God. He says that we're to pray at all times for all the saints. Remember that? We're familiar with these charges. And quite frankly, I find it very easy to pray regularly. I don't find it to be a challenge to pray throughout the day, over the course, okay, here's a meal. Lord, thank you for providing this. Uh, Here's a a counseling appointment. Lord, help me to be a blessing. Help me to understand what they're saying. Help me to be able to give them the gospel. Help me to give them your word in a way that will will make an impact in their lives. I I find no no problem whatsoever praying about, Lord, I'm about to make a phone call. Help me to have uh, proper wording. Let me respond well. Will your grace reign over me? No problem with that whatsoever. About to head into the house, Lord, help me to be a kind, patient dad, a kind, loving husband. Help me with the, no problem with those little blips of prayer. I like to talk to God, don't you? And I know what I need. Every moment of my life is his mercy and his grace. So no problem with those little segments. But I'll tell you where I struggle. This is confession time. I struggle with chunks of prayer, because I get, what's that word? What are we talking about anyway? Distracted. You ever get distracted? I get distracted. You get distracted. It's, it's not uh, easy to get distracted when you're doing a little blurb prayer here and there, because you're like, there's something that's, that's arising within you, a need to pray. So like, that's easy. But those Chunks of prayer is where I find myself with a distraction issue. And so what I want to talk about for a few minutes uh, is this concept. We must pray with purpose. We must pray with purpose. In your bulletin, you have a little outline, and it comes from Jesse Johnson. 
My wife and I started utilizing this a couple of months ago, and it has been, to say the very least, extremely helpful. Before we even dive into it, I want to just give two words of, uh, two notes for your thoughts before we dive into it. Um, My wife and I do a modified version of this. Instead of the five minutes for each section, we do two and a half minutes for each section. And when we find ourselves in a, in a very difficult time crunch, sometimes we'll reduce it down to two minutes, two minutes per section, eliminate the last section, and make two of the sections one minute. Now, I didn't say that, so you, okay, let me take those notes. What I'm saying is it's adaptable. It's adaptable. You don't have to follow this as such. It's just a little guide. This is not like the Bible, this handout, this guy's thoughts. Um, what I'm telling you is it's been very helpful to my wife and to me. We can adapt this as needed. Don't get scared off by the one hour that this um, would take if you did 12 sections for five minutes. Guess how many minutes that is? That's 60 minutes, and 60 minutes equals one hour. Um, This is a great way to break an hour down into prayer, but you can break it into a half an hour or even to 20 minutes if that's the time frame you have, using it as just a little tool. Uh, and there's another note I need to make is I made a little mistake on this handout, and that is uh, where it says, number four, intercession, things in my own life. That should say petition. That's things in my own life. And where it says petition uh, for others, that should be intercession. So I just made a little mistake. You can just switch that around on your, on your own. These long stretches of prayer, again, produce a natural tendency toward distraction. But what I have found in the months of doing this is this is so concentrated, I actually have very difficult time fitting each category into the amount of time that I have. I I don't have a problem with distraction. I have a problem with there are too many things to pray about in that section, and so it actually facilitates a desire to pray more than the time that I actually have set aside, uh, which is a new, that's new. For me, because when I sit down for a chunk of time, uh, a lot of times I'll start praying and, and I'll be praying, and then eventually, you know, the, the things of the day get a hold of me, and I say, so I finish off the prayer and I get, get to work. Um, that's, this, this is a little helper for that. So let's break down the sections a little bit. Uh, the first section on praise. Uh, if you were to follow this program uh, of breaking your prayer time down this way and, and give this a two and a half or five minutes if you have the hour, um, if you do this for any length of time, one of the things that you will realize is that you need to deepen your working knowledge of God's glorious nature. So what you will likely do as a result of praying a praise section for two and a half minutes every day you will likely start to dive into the Psalms and you are likely to read the psalmists and similar writers as these saints of old under the inspiration of the Spirit praise God in the Word and you'll hear them praising the Lord and you'll not not mimic them but it will inform your prayer time of praise before the Lord um, and it'll give you a great reservoir from which to pray prayers of praise every day before the Lord. In the section, confession. Now, we're all very familiar with 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we, we, we cherish that reality that we can bring our sin before the Lord. One of the things the Lord has been teaching me over the last 
many years is that when we confess our sin, it's important to go beyond some individual incident of sin. Because our incidents of sin are really informing us of who we are. And so one of the things that, that I think is valuable for having a segment of prayer, now I, I confess my sin as I recognize it all throughout the day, right? But here we are, a, a formal section on prayer, and you go to confession uh, before the Lord. You're confessing before the Lord. You're talking to the Lord about your sinfulness. Going beyond this incident of sin and recognizing that that incident of sin is giving you an information about yourself and start to talk to the Lord about your broken character. Lord, I didn't just lie. I'm a liar. I didn't just get angry. I'm an angry person. I wasn't just impatient. I'm an impatient person. I didn't just use filthy language out of my mouth. That filthy language comes from who in... I am a filthy person. Let your sin inform you about who you are without God's awesome grace. Bring it to him and ask him, Lord, will you please, please put to death these passions within me? Put to death this broken character that, that, that seeks a way different from yours? Every day. This is a, a specific time. This isn't uh, you did something at 2 o'clock and you go before the Lord. No, this is your, your prayer time. And you're talking to the Lord about your, your broken, fallen character. I think it's a really helpful part of life. And then you have the section on Thanksgiving. Now, we all have lots of things to, to thank the Lord about. You never have a shortage of things to, to, to give thanks to the Lord about. But if you're doing this every single day, and you, and you say, well, thank you for my wife, and thank you for my kids, and thank you for my house, and thank you for my cars, and thank you for the food, and thank you... Like, after a little while, when you get day after day after day of this, this pattern, you think, boy, I better really think this through a little bit. I better really... Like, if, if your kids get, came up every day and said, thanks for the laundry, 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 or thanks for dinner, thanks for dinner, thanks for... Like, you are thankful that they're thankful, Right? But if, if it's that robotic or mechanical, it would start to lose a little luster. And so I think as you do this on a recurring basis in this time, you start saying, Lord, help me to recognize all of the benefits that I have. Help me to rec recognize all of the blessings that you flood upon me every day. This recurring element helps us. Petition. Uh, we never have any shortage of material about how we need to pray about what we're currently encountering or what we're hoping to see happen in our lives. Um, so we, we pray. But again, we don't want to pray just about the same things every day. And so there are, there, are, there are areas that you might expand upon as time goes on. And then intercession, intercession, prayer on behalf of others. Having a plan in this portion is very important. Have a list uh, of uh, people that you're praying for regarding health, spiritual lives. You can pray for governing authorities under this category, right? Because we're, we're, we're called to pray for our governing authorities in the book of 1 Timothy, aren't we? So we, we pray. We pray for all manner of things under that category. And then, then when you come to the section on missions, this is a great opportunity to, to really participate. Participate. Be in true 
communion and fellowship with our missionaries as we lift them up in prayer. It's a great way to faithfully rotate through the missionaries that you're familiar with, the ones that we support. Pray for their work on the field. Pray for their health, the progress of the gospel. Pray for their marital relationships, their family relationships, the safety of their children, both their physical safety and their spiritual safety in a foreign land. Pray for their children's understanding of the gospel, that they would come to, to the place of embracing Christ truly, not just in the form of being part of a religious family. Uh, pray for the, God's uh, direction in their lives, that they would know God's will. This is a great way for us to really minister grace into the lives of our missionaries and to be partners with them. And then the section on the church, you can pray for the Lord's guidance of the elders, our leadership and our shepherding of God's flock. You should pray under this category for the salvation of souls, for the effective training of people of all ages, for spiritual growth, for numerical growth, for financial uh, provision. Then there's a section there on evangelism. This is a great, you, if, if you're doing 30 minutes, two and a half minutes praying about evangelism every day. Think about the burden that that in and of itself starts to brew within you. I would say under this section, pray for your own and others' willingness, readiness, and desire to share the gospel. Pray for the Lord to bring people into your pathway that you might share the gospel with. And pray that the Lord might bring people into a saving relationship with himself. Under the family section, this is pretty self-explanatory. Pray for spouse, children, grandchildren, nephews, aunts, uncles, whatever it might be, family members. So the fact that this family section is there, you should probably remove family from the intercession part, right? Because you're going to be praying for your family specifically. So the intercession part is really for people outside of your family because you have a section there for family. Then this 10th section, Scripture. I just read a section, a paragraph or two of the scriptures. I read it slowly. I don't read fast anyway. But this, this reading of scripture at this portion of your prayer life really is leading you to the next section, which is to pray through the passage. As after you've read through that passage and it's time to pray about it, pray about what the Lord is teaching you about himself from that passage, what he's teaching you about you from that passage. How does... Uh, what, is, what are the implications of the passage that you read and ask the Lord for his gracious help in your life? And there's one last section um, listed here as singing, but it doesn't have to be singing. It can just be meditating through uh, one of the great hymns, some of the new hymns, some of the old hymns of the faith. Um, for me personally, I just read through slowly uh, the words of a hymn and then I respond in prayer, Lord, uh, you're you know, whether it's talking about God's mercy or His grace, I respond about that, or there might be a, a call to some action that comes out of it. That's just how I do it. Um, now, the reason I bring all this to your attention is this has been an amazing help to my wife and to me. I've been, I've been praying since I was a little boy, and it has made an impact on us just, just having this little simple structure. Um, it's hard to squish all of this into 30 minutes, but I love it. It is the most joyous prayer times um, that I have ever had. There's hardly a second of distraction because there's not enough time to get it all done. Uh, so that's a, a help for me anyway. That's just a little, 
a little hopefully useful tool for you. So we've talked about the fact that we've been called to strive to God in, uh, with God in prayer. Secondly, that we have to pray with purpose. And thirdly and finally, and just for a few moments, we must remember the basis of the privilege of prayer. This is such a, a vital reality. Take off your religious hat for just a minute, will you? You've been praying for however many years. And I want you to think, who are you talking to? And why should you have the privilege of talking to him? What gives you the right to talk to him? It's quite a, an unfathomable reality that the one that used his son to speak the world into existence seeks worshipers that would worship him in spirit and in truth. He's attentive to the prayers of the righteous. The humility that that should produce within us is immeasurable. How do we have this privilege? What is the basis? Well, the Bible tells us who our mediator is in 1 Timothy 2.5. It says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So we know how we get there, right? Jesus is the mediator. We also have to understand what did it take to bring that mediation. We are also see in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Listen to what he says, the author of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Spirit. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, what does he say? Draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus has passed through the heavens. He sits at the right hand of God. He is our great high priest. He's our advocate, 1 John chapter 2. He's our high priest. He's our mediator. What was it that produced this? We have access to the throne through the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's based upon the, the, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. We sang about it earlier when we were singing about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We come by a new and living way. A new and living and enduring way. That is through the veil, the veil of Jesus' flesh. It was His broken body, His torn flesh, His crucified body, His sacrifice. This is the new and the living way through the blood spilled. Jesus died, was buried, and has been raised again, has ascended to the right hand of the throne of God and in this process has secured our eternal forgiveness. He has secured for us eternal righteousness. We call that process justification. And we know that that only comes through faith in Christ, justified by faith in Christ. But he has also secured our right to access the throne. Not just one day in the future, 
here and now. We've prayed numerous times in this service already. I prayed, then Doug prayed, then I prayed. I hope that throughout the course you have also prayed. I have prayed other times in the course of this service that were not public prayers. This is a place of prayer, and that privilege of prayer has been afforded to us because Jesus Christ was willing to give up the glories of heaven and to be bondaged, bondaged with human flesh. Imagine that. He took on human flesh. He tabernacled among us, yes. He never sinned, no. He endured mistreatment, yes. He took my sin upon him on the cross, enduring the wrath of God, yes. He was buried, yes. He was raised again in a resurrected body. He ascended in a resurrected body. He will return one day in a resurrected body. God has come in the flesh and He has been bondaged with a body to obtain my eternal redemption and to give me this privilege of access into the very throne of God. God has called us to strive in prayer. We can, we can pray in bits and packets and that I, I will recommend that to you. You should do that. I should do that regularly. But we also need to learn to pray without distraction in blocks, and in that, draw near to the Lord, and He will draw near to us. This is a spiritual work that we're talking about. We don't approach this work lightly. We approach it humbly, realizing our need for mercy and grace. Now, I'm treading lightly here, but I submit to you, at least for some of you, this approach could revolutionize your prayer life. For some of you, it could. And as a result, it would revolutionize your life. I'm not telling you that this list is scripture or inspired in any way. Do not misunderstand me. Most of you know me well enough to know that I wouldn't be saying that. What I'm telling you is, give it a shot, take some time, and see over the course of a couple of weeks if the Lord does not revolutionize your prayer time, and then as a result of that, make him ever conscious in your mind, growing in a deeper appreciation of who he is and what he has done and the privileges he's called us to. Let's pray together. Father, you know what each of us needs. I certainly don't, but you do. I pray as we've talked through these things that uh, you would have had your way in us, that we would have been and would continue to be humble before you, allowing you to uh, transform us. Dear Father, help us to strive together in prayer for your glory's sake, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your church, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our missionaries, for the sake of our neighbors, and for our own sake, for your glory. Help us to pray without ceasing, and help us to pray with a purpose for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.